John 17. Before we hit John 17, we need to remember that John 14, 15, and 16 are about Jesus is leaving, but he is sending the Holy Spirit as our comforter. And there are no words in English for paraclete, which is the term used. And so you'll hear people call it a comforter, a counselor, a helper. All of these are good, um, good words. But remember that paraclete meant a particular um, job that somebody would do voluntarily where they would walk alongside you and help you carry whatever you were carrying. It doesn't mean you're not carrying. It doesn't mean there's no burden. It just means you're not going to carry it alone. And so they're, they're already very uh, stirred up, troubled, that's the word. They're very troubled at this stage because they're, they're not sure what's going on. And so Jesus starts in verse, uh, chapter 16, 25, saying, all right, here he's, I'm going to lay it out. And then in chapter, I'm sorry, ch yes, chapter 16, verse 29, his disciples go, now you're speaking clearly and without figures of speech. Now we can see that you know all things and you do not even need to have anyone ask you questions. This makes us believe that you came from God. Um, again, a very Semitic thing to say. You, you can't use Greek logic on this. It, when it says, you know, you know all things and you have no need for somebody to ask you questions, it's, it's also uh, Plato, so Greek, we'd have to go there. That's how they taught, was they would, you would ask questions, and then as a person responds, they are learning, they're lead, being led into truth. And they're saying, oh, now we get it. And I like it, Jesus goes, now? Now you believe? A time is coming, and in fact has come, when you'll be scattered each to your own home. You'll all leave me alone, yet I'm not alone, for my Father is with me. I've told you these things, so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome the world. Oh my goodness. Um, and I do want to get into chapter 17, then the half hour we have left. I'm, I'm going to have a word with the preacher. He went far too long. Um, you will be scattered. The time has come when you will be scattered. How do you think that hit the apostles? Please remember, they already live in fear. Uh, Brother Albert, I had told them we didn't need a mic because you were headed for a wedding. Are you going to hang about? All right. Uh, I think Dave is gone now, so I may have to just repeat what you say. Sorry, I, I, I didn't arrange a mic. Okay. Well, yeah, but he, Will is up there running a board and holding a sleeping child. So I, I, think, I think we're good. We're good, Will. We'll make it work. Um, I, to me, that would be terrifying when he's saying, uh, you, the time for you to come, it will be you'll be scattered. Um, whenever they were talking about Nicaragua and you had paramilitary and police roaming, right? That's what they lived with all the time. You had the Roman. You had, um, and by the way, they would normally go in a group because a Roman on his own was a target for the, the zealots and the knife and the ribs. So they would go in a group, a cohort. That's where we get the term. Uh, they, we also, you also had the, um, the Satans. 
The word means a, an accuser. So you had Jewish people who were in league, not so much with the Romans, but they didn't like other Jewish people. It's, it's very much like the Soviet system was under Stalin, where you encourage neighbors to tell on each other, and you encourage children to tell on their parents. And, so it was a, and to look at this group and say, it's come, you're going to be scattered. That would be terrifying. So their, their angst is, is way up. And he says, I've told you these things. Oh, I, he also says, I will, you'll leave me alone, but I'll not be alone. That's just what he's talked about, isn't it? With the Holy Spirit. Father will be here. I've told you so that you'll have peace. Uh, I often wonder why we don't put this on plaques more often. And I'm not making a joke here at all. We'll put on plaques, you know, I know what I have in my heart to bless you, and, or uh, I will answer your prayers. I would like a plaque that says, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. I find it also fascinating he uses a past tense there. Uh, Brother Albert, do you have anything you wanted to say on that? I wasn't sure if I saw your hand or... That's, that's, you're exactly right, and I should have brought that up. In chapters 14 through 17, there's more mentions of the Holy Spirit than in the rest of the Bible combined. That, yes, because he's going to leave. They have to know who's going to stay. You know, as I go through Hebrews, there's so much I want to say, and the time is always limited. And the book of Hebrews is so rich. Uh, one of the things I find myself praying is, God, help me be an ally of your spirit. Whatever your spirit wants them to hear. Um, and that's, only ministers know how fervent those prayers are before we get up. Because it's, it's the only job that comes with a, a warning label that God wrote. You don't let not many of you be teachers. And the, the, it's a heavy weight sometimes. You will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And that's where I was really hoping you were going to respond, <laughs> Brother Albert, because I've got theories on why he used the, um, the past tense. And I'll tell you my theory in a minute. Theology says he overcomes the world by his death, burial, and resurrection. That has not yet happened. So I look at it and think, is he saying... You know, I'm about to die, but I've shown you, you can live without selling out to the world. You can live without sinning. So in that sense, he's, he has accomplished it. Do you have a, a take on this at all? Yes. Yeah. You're exactly right. The, um, do you remember I was talking about we have to accept the God who is and not always sit, stay on the other side of the river looking for the God we want? This is very, very true with the Messiah. Uh, I don't like superhero movies, but for some reason, Cammie and I went to the Wonder Woman one, and I was fascinated because there are theological themes going on all the time 
in that one. And there may be in the other superhero movies. And I'm sure a fan will tell me. Or they'll listen online and send me an email. But she would stride through World War I. That's where she made her appearance. Uh, a psychiatrist actually came up with, with her. Uh, and she is correcting the evil. There's an evil person. I take them out. There's a person who needs healing. They are healed. And I told my wife on the way home, I said, that's the God we want. They were painting the God we want. We want a Messiah that will take out Rome. And what is Rome today? To you? Don't answer. <laughs> Rome today could be anything to you. It could be uh, a political party. It could be cancer. It could be tornadoes and earthquakes. We want a Messiah to ride into town, sort it out. We want Elijah. We want Elijah on Mount Carmel to whip up, make fun of, and then kill the prophets. But something was said to me years ago that really troubled me, and I went back through, and I, I can't say it's wrong. The teacher told me, because he asked me who was my favorite prophet, and I said, Elijah. And, and he said, are you aware that Elijah was, like the John Wayne, he put it, of prophets, but that his ministry left no lasting mark. It was the preachers who preached a sermon or who lived among them like Nehemiah that left the marks. The big flash that we want doesn't do it or we'd be still having Jesus walk around doing miracles all the time. Remember he said that's not going to do it. That's not the universe God made. Um, and I, I'll tell you right now and, and Albert I'm sure I'm not the only person in the room uh, there are a whole lot of times I wish I had a different Messiah. Not that I'm rejecting Christ. It's that I'd like for Christ to do something that he's not doing. Am I alone in that? It's, it's best, by the way, to talk this out with God. Don't, don't try to keep it secret from God. Uh, then Jesus looked toward heaven and prayed. Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. Notice what Jesus' prayers are about as we go through this. They're not really for him, except a little bit. They're mainly about God and then about his friends. For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those you've given him. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. By the way, a lot of, a lot of scholars will say, well, Jesus couldn't have said this because that would be awkward phrasing. No, I think he did. I think he did. I, I have no question that the book of John comes from God as we see it. Uh, I brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And again, past tense. And yet the nails haven't hit. He hasn't resurrected. There's another theory. Um, not just the sinless life and then death, burial, just a sinless life, death, burial, resurrection, but also that Jesus is already in his mind leaving. And therefore, physics like time are no longer an issue. Yes, please. You got, amen, you got two amens from, from Albert, so that's more than I normally get in a week, so, you know, well done you. Uh, she said, because the decision had already been made before he left heaven, it's already been done. That's, yes, please. Before the beginning of time, 
Yes. But yes, we would think that, that he could move within time like that. It's, uh, I'll, I'll tell you one thing about that whole, because I don't want to leave you troubled whenever I say, you know, I wish there was another Messiah sometimes. I wish Jesus acted different sometimes. I know why he doesn't. So here you go. You've all wondered why. God isn't panicked. He's not afraid. We watch loved ones die, we see bad people rise to power, and we panic. He is not panicked. And that, there are, I don't know how many times, Brother uh, Lemons, I have said in my prayer to God, I know you're not panicked and afraid, but we're in the dark. It, and I'll, I don't know how many times a week I'll say this to God, just remember it's hard down here. Omnipotence has never been threatened. That's true. Uh, as one, um, one writer put it, he was going through the Ezekiel passage and the I Isaac passage that start off as prophecies about something else and they end up being descriptions of Satan. And Satan was going, I'm going to elevate my throne and I'm going to do all of this. And the way he put it, Satan didn't get past God's secretary. <laughs> well, we shouldn't panic. So here comes the prayer, John 17, verse 6. I have revealed you, I think in the Greek it says your name, to those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours, you gave them to me, and they've obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you, for I gave them the words you gave me, and they accepted them. This is, um, have you ever seen a Celtic knot? That's the way he, uh, Jewish people well, even today, a lot of them write like this. Uh, certainly the Arabs do. I don't read Arabic. I'm talking about translations. Okay, here, on Twitter, I follow several uh, imams that speak for peace and mean it. You know, they, they speak against the radicals. Uh, and a couple of them come out of Iran. And Iran has protests in the streets right now to, uh, to free up from the, the mullahs. I don't know why that's not front and center on a TV. I don't, I don't want a missile sent. I don't want a sniper sent. Don't, don't misread me. I would just like for us to know these things so that we could be praying for those that are trying to do this. Um, and every now and then they write it in Arabic. I don't read a word of it. I can't identify a symbol. But um, Twitter has a little line there, a little blue line that says, translate this tweet. I'll click there. And I'd say at least half the time, I still don't get it. Because their thought pattern is not our thought pattern. And by the way, you can flip that. Our thought pattern is not their thought pattern. I'm not trying to say ours is anyway superior. The point is, they just have a different way of expressing. And we are reading one of their books. And, and a book out of the Middle East. So we have to remember this. If it seems repetitive to you, that's the way they drive things home. They don't underline it and put it in bold. This is the way they do it. They knew with certainty that I came from you and they believed that you sent me. I pray for them. 
I'm not praying for the world. I find that an amazing phrase. But for those you have given me, for they are yours. Think about this. Um, sometimes Mark Duckworth will tell me a story about Sylvie. Sylvie is a hoot. I love her. If you've not hung around that little girl, she's going to change the planet. She really is. Uh, he was saying today um, that she, would, she was walking around suddenly just say, chicken, biscuit chicken, biscuit chicken, biscuit curtain. And found out later that, because he was saying, what does that mean? She goes, well, you used to say it to me. He used to do a little beatboxing to put her to sleep. What she was hearing was biscuit curtain and saying, you know, whatever. Um, I, and every time he tells me a story, and sometimes they'll shake their head because she's being difficult, I say, I'm on Team Sylvie. If there was a hashtag, I would say hashtag Team Sylvie. Jesus is here saying, I'm not on Team Planet. I'm not on Team World. I'm on Team their team. This is my team. My eight-year-old grandson is uh, now playing, I don't know how to phrase this. He's joined Tennessee soccer, which is a, a thing. And they practice all summer, and the, the games, I think, start in, in August. He's so proud. He laid out his kit. And this is our away stuff, and this is our home stuff, and this is Tennessee soccer. So proud. He's got a team. He even got to pick his number, and he picked 99. I'm saying, um, buddy, have you ever watched Get Smart? I don't think you know, uh, but regardless. Uh, and I know when I go to the game, I don't know what his team name's going to be, but I'll be on Team Fen. And isn't it amazing that Jesus is saying, God, I want you to know, I'm on Team These People. Wow. Oh, please, yes. By the way, anytime you start, or did you know that, the answer is going to be no, but go ahead. That's, that's an, that's an. I believe that, that he prayed, that's what he prayed all night long, week 6, 12. Mm-hmm. And, and 10, 11 of them was an issue, but that Judas issue took their all night prayer. When he went out and gathered them, he says here, Father, they are you, you yep. chose them. Yeah, yes, and Calvin spends a great amount of time in this, and I'm not a Calvinist by any stretch, but I, that doesn't mean I don't think God plans and chooses and moves. I'm certain he does. Um, anyway, moving on. I just like that team us thing. Uh, okay, all I have, verse 10. All I have is yours and all you have is mine and glory has come to me through them. He's crossed the river, hasn't he? He said, I'm, I'm going to be defined and remain in the will of God. That's where, that's where I'm going to be. I will remain in the world no longer, but they're still in the world, and I'm coming to you, Holy Father. Protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by that name you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction, so that the scripture will be fulfilled. He is praying for us. The reason I tell God it's hard down here is because that's the prayer Jesus prayed to. It's hard down here. We don't get what we expected. You know, we, we get something else. And it's hard down here. Jesus is telling his father, protect these people. I've protected them, but it's hard down here. 
I love the old hymn, and I wish that we could find a way to, to bring it into the rotation, but it's been out for so long. Uh, Does Jesus care? Do you remember that one? I love, because the theology behind that is 100% solid, but it also hits the emotions. Oh, yes, he cares. I know he cares. His heart is touched with my grief. Uh, let's see if we can do that. When the way is weary, the long night's dreary. I know my Savior cares. Isn't it amazing how deeply those old hymns have gone into us? It's just, by the way, whenever Mark leads one, you ought to be up front and hear, a, hear how you sound. The best sound, actually the best sound has been right here. And Mark was today saying people have been moved, displaced by all of this, have remarked to him how much it sounded better here. Well, Dave and others are, are going to work hard to make that better for all of us. But um, I love those old hymns and the way they swell. Um, at Greg Eubanks' father's funeral, tiny little church there on around 8th and um, 8th Avenue, tiny church. But man, when they sang those hymns, wow. The four-part harmony hit, but you could feel the heart. It was just, it was amazing. Uh, I'm coming to you now, but I say these things while I'm still in the world, so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. Full measure of my joy, right when he's heading to the cross. I've given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they're not of the world any more than I am of the world. Let me go there. Why would the world hate you? There's a, there are a variety of responses to that. One is the exclusivity of Jesus, and the exclusivity of Jesus offends the world. When you say, he is the way, the truth, the life. If you want to assassinate somebody politically, you ask them, do you have to be a Christian to go to heaven? And they know that no matter what, if you try to say things such as, you know, well, I'm kind of a universalist and this, they're still going to get you unless you say, absolutely not, you've got any, you know, many paths. Exclusivity offends them. But it also removes the power. I mean, in the hotel, as I'm eating breakfast, there's a news thing there. You know, they always have to bring that in. And, and there was going to be a, um, a big interview, I believe, with the president uh, and somebody. And it said, this is an interview you cannot miss. Every time I hear that phrase, I go, oh, yes, I can. I don't, I don't have to watch it. This doesn't have to consume my life. The world hates that. Um, there were old Navy commercials, and they only did this for a little while, and I wonder about the pushback. Um, there would be young people out there dancing. I'm trying to remember the era. It's probably late 90s, maybe early aughts, but... Uh, they're dancing and very attractive people. And it would be talking about the polo shirts and the, and the, the jeans or the khakis. But then they, they would even end it with a little thing that just said, wear khakis. And I'm going, I don't think you get to make that decision. And evidently the world didn't like it either because they're still not doing that, that, that thing. But the world would really like you to know. I'm talking to Cammie, she's a designer. And you know, she was talking about the people that gather in these different fields, and they're trying to do it scientifically, saying, here are the new colors that are coming out. And we need to work that into. And that all started because I have seen more electric blue cars in the last few weeks than I've seen in years. 
And so I asked her, I said, are you noticing the blue cars? She goes, that's one of the colors that they said is coming. And that's cool. That's fine. But she also talked about, and I won't go through all the examples there, of the times that they have really tried to push a style or push and it just dies. The world hates that. They want you to buy what they want you to buy when they want you to buy it. And so they'll give you commercials of a jellyfish and say, you need a protein in his brain to keep your brain working. No. It's not going to help. If you believe that a jellyfish's brain is more powerful than yours, you might already be too far gone for us to save. But there are still people who watch Dr. Oz and uh, run out and buy every diet plan he hawks, which is a different one every few weeks. The world hates it when you don't belong to them. You want to make fun of somebody on a sitcom? Say that they, they've, uh, they've only had sex with their, their marriage partner. They've never been with anybody else. But what? Or that they're a virgin. You know exactly that that's a laugh line. Um, we don't belong to the world. We're different. We'll tell you this, because we only have five minutes left, and there's no way to really keep running here and go where I want to go. So I'll tell you something I used to say at youth rallies. I haven't used it for a while. Maybe won't again. But I talk about love and commitment and marriage, if that's on the, on the theme. And I'll say my wife and I have been married X many number of years. And um, uh, she's really terrible at anything sexual. And the kids will start going. <laughs> and I'll go, oh, it, or it could be me. But here's the thing. Um, we're, we've only been with each other, so we don't, we're too stupid to know we're, we're bad. You know, we're all, and, and they start to get in the head. And the old joke was of the ma old married couple in the bed, and the wife leans over and just whacks him. He goes, what was that for? And she goes, that's for being a lousy, uh, lousy lover. And he's just there for a while, and he hits her back, and she goes, what was that for? That's for knowing the difference. You see what I mean? See what I mean? The world, the world wants you to shop around sexually so you can carry a young ghost in your head the rest of your life. And your, ma your marriage partner ages. And they have health issues, and they have, but the ghosts don't. The world hates it when they cannot control you. It's amazing. And then if a kid gets up at 5 in the morning to deliver newspapers, newspapers, those used to be a, a, a dead tree-based product. Anyway, if they get up at 5, we'll call them a go-getter. If they get up at 5 in the morning to help prepare baskets so that their church can feed people, a lot of people would say, well, that sounds like a cult. It's fascinating. It really is. So don't be surprised when the world thinks you're weird. Because um, you are. You are a peculiar people. Robert Hooper, retired professor at Lipscomb, wrote a, an amazing book. And I went to check this week, and it's out of print, which I'm just going. But used copies are available. Uh, on the history of the churches of Christ, and it's called a distinct people. And he's using a riff off that, a peculiar people. And it's a really good book, if you've not read it. Uh, I do highly recommend it. Um, and it just shows, walks us through our changes and, and how we got here. We are a different people, and we're supposed to be a different people. 
when I drive down to see my mom, I see Amish people, because I have to go through that section. Uh, whenever the boys are with me, they always have questions. Some of them I can't answer. But I'll never forget what I heard an Orthodox Jew say to his son. Because we were in a public place, and the son was asking, basically, why do they get to do that? And we don't. I think it was an airport. I was trying, I, well, all I remember is my world collapsed around this, and what I heard. And he, he leaned down and he said, that's all right for them. But we are a different people. I'm going, we need to be telling that to our kids. We are a different people. So Jesus is on team us, which I find wonderful. Uh, why don't we take that with us? And since I held you long for services, I'll give you two minutes. <laughs>